This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. It's time for kickoff. Kickoff. First to the end zone. Touchdown! With Boomer Asiasen and Mike Valenti. Uh, we are back. We are ready to roll. Another week. We're approaching the midway point, Boomer. It's getting good now. It is getting good. Hey, did you have a good week, by the way? Fantastic. Uh, you know, the Cipriani showdown was just uh, wondrous. We're going to get to it. I've got yes. a dinner date, people. New month, <laughs> new calendar invites. Yes. It's very exciting. You do. And by the way, you know, every week I like to think of myself as a quarterback that's playing. And I, and I try to find the quarterbacks who are under the most pressure for different sorts of reasons. And then when I look around the NFL this week, I see two quarterbacks in particular that are playing against each other. And it's probably a no-name game for a lot of people. And that's the Raiders at the Jaguars. However, those two quarterbacks, Derek Carr and Trevor Lawrence, for different reasons, are under a major pressure point situation. Because Derek Carr, obviously, last week they get shut out by the Saints. He doesn't play well. He says after the game that they are embarrassed. And now they got to go on the road to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are coming off of a bad loss at the hands of the Denver Broncos, where Trevor Lawrence, once again, in the second half, falls apart and cannot lead his team back to a fourth quarter victory. And he has gotten a little bit worse each and every week. And I thought he was ready to turn the corner and he's not. So those two guys are really under a spotlight. And then on the other end of the spectrum has to be Aaron Rodgers. They're going to the Detroit lions. You know, they got beat against uh, the Buffalo bills. We all expected that they covered. However, you know, I'm sitting there going, I think, I think we both picked the bills. Yeah. I think everybody knew when they were down 17 with the ball, we knew exactly how that was going to end. Especially when, uh, you know, Josh Allen reverts back to three years ago, Josh Allen, and throws an interception weird. on the goal line. So very weird, very difficult, uh, different situation. But Aaron Rodgers is under the spotlight from here on out because if they don't make the playoffs, you can blame Gutenkus for not surrounding him with wide receivers because, I mean, if he were on the Dolphins or he were on the Eagles. It's different. It's a completely different set we're of gonna circumstances. Get, we're gonna, I, I've got a trade deadline thing I want to do, but let, let's let's rank these out a little bit because I think Zach Wilson's got to be in there well, as well. Well, I was going to get to him too. Okay. So Zach Wilson's the other one, and and the reason, you know, he's getting ready to start his 19th game. So he's just, you know, he's still a kid. He's still learning, and he's making really bad decisions. And what happened last week against New England is those decisions resulted in turnovers where in the previous games he still was making bad decisions. But at least he wasn't turning the ball over, and that's one of the reasons why the Jets were winning. So I, I, yeah, I would I say wanna, he's under a microscope as well. I don't want to go super granular because I think we'll lose everybody with this, but when you look at certain analytics, they tell you, hey, this guy's putting – these throws are putting you at risk. Whether it ends up in a turnover or not, it's considered a turnover-worthy play. That's Zach Wilson. So he was whistling by the graveyard. Remember the game against Denver? Yes. Oh, my God. He, he should have had four interceptions. But Trevor Lawrence, work with me on this, because everybody, myself included, perfect prospect, franchise guy, maybe a a once-in-a-decade talent. Boomer, I need more. He's not a rookie. He's got quality coaching, quality weapons. I'm worried. 
Yeah. And I just don't see it right now. You know, the interesting thing is they made a trade as well at the deadline for a player who's not available this year. He'll be available next year, and that's Calvin Ridley. I think that's a really good thing that Doug Peterson did. And and if Calvin Ridley can get over the gambling issues and all the things that are going on in his life, he may be exactly what the doctor ordered for Trevor Lawrence. What is Trevor Lawrence's nickname? Do you know? Sunshine. Okay. It's not sunshine and rainbows. That's not what the NFL is. You got to be angry. You got to be mad. You got to be dedicated, and you've got to take a loss personally. I don't know if that's his personality. I don't because everything for this kid in high school and in college came really easy. He always played with the best players. He was always the best player on the field, and now he is finding out just how difficult it is to deal with adversity. And that's what I always say about high draft picks especially when they're as good as both Zach Wilson was in college and Trevor Lawrence were in college, that they'd never, did they really ever have to fight for anything? No. So now you've got to fight for something. And, you know, Tom Brady had to fight for something yeah. all those years ago as a six-round draft choice. If you don't – just my read on it, obviously. I, uh, you're well aware I didn't play. But if you don't have a chip on your shoulder, I don't know how you survive in any highly competitive industry, whether it's football or business. I don't see the chip with Trevor. Like, he did an interview after the London game, and I'm going, did I watch the same game you're talking about? I just, that's what gets me. I, I Not everything in the world is okay. And okay, it's not okay to lose in the NFL. That's your job. Many people's jobs rely on your performance. You want to make the big bucks. You want to make $50 million a year. Then you got to perform in the biggest moments. The other thing I, I will say uh, you know, when it comes to some of these quarterbacks and some of these players with chips on their shoulders that you are alluding to, Saquon Barkley, chip on his shoulder, look yeah. how he's playing this year. They're off this week, they're on a bye. How about Tua Tunga-Bailoa? Coming into this season, they finally match him with a coach. They trade for Tyreek Hill. They yep. trade for Bradley Chubb. They're all in, and the coach has got the offense that fits him perfectly. And look at how he is playing when he's on the field. They're undefeated when he starts and finishes the game, and he looks basically like a different player. I got to tell you something too, and and maybe you can comp this out better than me. It he throws guys open. It's that anticipation. It's the accuracy because he doesn't have this, you know, Justin Herbert nuclear arm like. When you watch Tua play, who does he remind you of? This is going to be really weird, but an old uh, foe of mine and a rival of mine, and his name is Bernie Kosar. And the reason I say Bernie Kosar, he had a very weird throwing motion. And I guess when you watch Tua as a left-hander, yeah. for, for most of us— Optically, it's strange. It, it looks weird, but for me it doesn't. It looks natural to me. Sure. But Bernie was that way. He had a really long um, release, and he was— kind of gangly and wasn't all that fast, wasn't a great athlete. But I never saw a guy throw people open more than Bernie did, meaning that he would um, kind of appreciate where he had to throw the ball before the receiver got there because of how slow he was. And I, it kind of reminds me a little bit of Tua. The other guy that's playing with a chip on his shoulder is Jalen Hurts, yeah. a second-round draft choice. He is turned out like he's he's making a million six this year he's given them a 50 million dollar performance easily and so MVP you know he'll level. get he'll get a huge contract at the end of the year they're eight and oh and if they go on to be i you know, i think at worst 15 and two assuming everybody stays healthy there sounds right you're going to have to go through philadelphia to get to super to, to the super bowl you touched on a couple of things that are in the rundown so let's go to it right now this, this is the nfl rundown all right, you mentioned Bernie, so we'll get this out of the way because it's really about the Bengals, the Cipriani Bowl, the dinner bet, the gala event of the fall. But I, I want to talk Browns-Bengals, all jokes aside. Bengals here, look, 
the O-line reared its ugly head again. I'm only asking you because, A, you know O-line play, and, B, you've said, Mike, it's going to get better. I need you to calm down. We're at the midway point. Burrow's still getting assassinated on a weekly basis. Well, you know, they got better. They did get better until this week, until Monday night, and then they got steamrolled. Was not, only, not only did their offensive line get steamrolled, their defensive line got steamrolled as well. Both lines of scrimmage were owned by the uh, Cleveland Browns, and they couldn't block uh, Miles Garrett. Jonah Williams was having a hell of a time trying to block him. And by the way, you know, my buddy Frank Reich told me that Miles Garrett is the closest thing to Bruce Smith he's ever seen. Did you see the spin move he put on Jonah? That's the point. The, the, the athleticism at that size and the ability to contort his body and to get around the corner and lower his shoulder or do the spin move, uh, that's that's a really bad matchup for the Bengals. And Joe Burrow has not beaten the Browns yet in his career. They basically own them. And I got to say, for the Browns, maybe they saved their season. We'll that's, see. I keep holding out this hope that if they can stay remotely afloat, at least Watson, no matter what you think of him, Watson coming back makes them interesting. That was a big win. That's going to be that's going to be interesting because he hasn't played football in two years. Right? How rusty? How much of an acclimation? Um, you know, you brought up Saquon, so let's do it here. Joe Shane came out said he wants to get something done and he wants all in season negotiations this week. I know Julian loves another guy they want to get done. Boomer, you're Joe Shane. You're running this deal. We know running back contracts do not work. I don't need to give you the the graveyard of them. How do you handle this? You sign them, you franchise them, and I think this is off the table. You just let them roll and grab the compensatory. Yeah, I don't don't think you're going to let them roll. I think they want to keep them now, and I think that they've been around him. They see him. I know the Mara family loves Saquon. Uh, He fits the giant mold, if you will. He's the tiki barber of this generation. He's that kind of player. And, you know, I think he's really shown a lot of people that he's playing with a chip on his shoulder and that he can do it. Um, I think a fair contract would be something somewhere similar to what Derrick Henry got. And that seems to me to be fair. But then again, maybe Saquon sees himself differently than the Giants do. That's that's really what it comes down to. If he sees himself that differently, I hate to break it to you. You're getting the franchise tag of around 12.8. That's what it's going to be. I'm sorry. So the Giants always have that in their back pocket. So I... I would hope that they would get something done. Nothing has been announced during this week, and since nothing has been announced yet, I don't suspect that we'll see anything unless they come back next Monday and when everybody's back in the building, they'll announce it. Uh, I want to wrap about the Packers for a minute. You brought up Aaron Rodgers. I mean, uh, uh, emergency, uh, breaking news. Aaron Rodgers practiced on a Wednesday this week for the first time since the Lincoln administration. (laughs) So I just... I want to ask you, and I'm probably taking the fan approach. His body language is as bizarre as it's ever been. They look awful. I know they go to Detroit this weekend, but a year from now, is Aaron Rodgers a Packer? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, he is. He's uh, he's making $100 million guaranteed. He will be there, um, and they're going to have to go out and do something in the offseason, and they're going to have to try to do something uh, to be able to support him from a wide receiver standpoint, I, I, these these young kids just aren't growing fast enough. Uh, he had a nice pass to Romeo Dobbs the other night, but there was also another one where it looked like Romeo, like his hands crossed when he was going to catch the ball. And that's never a good thing you for ever, a wide you ever receiver. See a kitten with a yarn ball? That's yes. Romeo Dobbs, <laughs> just batting it around. But I, I you know, he's going to be there. I mean, this is another team that because it's the NFC. I mean, they're still in it, believe it or not. 
you would like to think that they're going to go on the road and they're going to beat Detroit this week. But, you know, with the way that the Packers season has gone and the people that they have lost to, it's on. Would it shock you that the Lions no, beat them? No, because it's a divisional dog getting points that, and again, we'll get to them during the picks. No, Boomer, there's no weeks off in this league. There aren't. I mean, ask, ask the Buccaneers. They thought they had a freebie against the Panthers two weeks ago. They got destroyed. I don't know what to do with him. That's why I was asking you. I got nothing. The Packers are a bizarro world. I, I just think that he will be there for the next two years. He'll see the end of his contract. Um, let's talk about it. We we previewed it. If you guys are listeners of the show, Dan Snyder. Oh, I know he's not selling. Mm. He's looking at a transaction. Mm. That was lovely PR there. But I want to ask you, what is the time frame in your mind on a sale? And are we looking at a $7 billion purchase here? It could be just simply because of where the team is located, the history of the team, and, you know, the fact that Dan Snyder, I mean, the NFL owners are going to want him out. And, you know, this could be like a Donald Sterling type of situation where somebody's going to overpay yeah, just the to chef's get him out. Kiss. Let him go. Keep it quiet. Goodbye. See you later. Here's a little extra money, and we'll buy your silence. I don't know necessarily know they can buy his silence, but, you know, the obvious one is Jeff Bezos because he owns the Washington Post. The problem is, is he hates him. He hates him. Daniel Snyder hates Jeff Bezos. So why would he sell the team to Jeff Bezos? Now, I think the NFL would love to have a black owner here and they'll, they'll do everything they possibly can to see if they can help somebody along and maybe put a, a consortium together to make that happen. Maybe it's Jay-Z and Bezos. Well, the, that report came out. Yeah. And I, look, I just I am jaded. I, I am very, very cynical. I don't think anything's accidental. And I think before that report comes out, I think the NFL, my opinion, has back-channeled already to get to the point where the commanders announce, hey, we're getting this bank security to, to rep us. Boomer, I think everything's pre-planned. I just do. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not disagree- disagreeing with you. The other thing, too, that the other NFL 31 owners can do is they financially, internally, can put a lot of pressure on the commanders. And there's a lot of different things that go on behind the scenes that the NFL fan has no idea about the financial uh, the finances of the league and how they intertwine with one another. And don't think for a moment when the Virginia Attorney General now is starting to talk about yeah. we're investigating the commanders because of ticket sales and the lack of th- thereof and transparency. You know, that's the NFL owners. You know, that that's the NFL owners that are supporting all of this. Right. Just so giving him a little nudge. A nudge to get out the door. Yeah, they want to get rid of him. There's no question about it. And I was just thinking how how pleasure a ride back to Washington it must have been for Dan Snyder after they beat Jim Irsay's Colts in Indianapolis last week. Because remember, Jim Irsay was the one that came out at the owners' oh, yeah. meetings about three weeks ago and said, hey, uh, this guy should be out of here. What a week for Commanders fans. You're 4-4. Four and four. What, three-game win streak? Chase Young's back this week. And your owner, who you hate, is selling. I mean, happy birthday. <laughs> yes. um, I, I want to get you, just your take on Tom Brady this week. He's He is, you know, he's Tom Brady. But he addressed the work-life balance. Divorce goes final. It got me to thinking about this. And, and I, I wanted to ask you, obviously, a long-decorated career is how – how hard is it to keep it all together? It's really hard. And uh, I think his safe space is on the football field and in the football building with the teammates around him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back next year, to be honest with you, given given this now. Um, but wow. I would just say that uh, he's a guy who loves the game, loves to be around his teammates. And, and like I said, it's a safe space. The team is not as good as it was last year, defensively or offensively. No. But it's just part of the uh, process that he's going through right now, Mike. And uh, – 
I feel bad for him and his family that he has to live his life in the public like this, but it is a it is a real distraction, to say the least. Well, and again, and I mean, one of my close friends played in the league for a long time, and, and you, you see it up close and personal. It's two different seasons. There's work, and then there's family, and it's just really hard to integrate them. It's very difficult. You know, for me, in 1992, my son was not diagnosed yet with cystic fibrosis, but he was showing all the signs of it, and we had to deal with that during the season. And that meant maybe two hours of sleep for me at night. Right. And a lot of people didn't know that, and I know that it affected me, and the team knew that it affected me. And uh, once we found out what the answer was, I was traded away. Not because of that, but because of the play that I had shown the year before. And that's as, that's as real as it gets right there. Um, all right, I've got more stuff for you later. We got to get to the picks. Uh, we've got a trade deadline desk, all that and more. It's kickoff with Boomer and Valenny. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to kickoff with Boomer Asiasen and Mike Valenti. We are back, and this is my first day in radio. Forgot to turn my microphone on. All right, let's do this. It is time for the picks. Look, Boomer, seven and seven, no shame. I was sizzling last week, nine and five. Let's see if we can keep it going. With another, uh, shall we say, challenging card in the NFL. Let's do the picks. Picks of the week. All right, let's lead it off. Chargers laying three. They traveled to our man Arts, Atlanta Falcons. Man, the, the Falcons are home dogs. They're four and four, and they're leading the NFC South. Could you imagine that at the beginning of the season? No. And here come the Chargers with Brandon Staley, Mr. Analytics himself, a team that is underachieved. Now, a team that has a lot of injuries and, you know, their top receiver is Keenan Allen is not coming back. Another yet. setback, hamstring. Another setback. So, man, this is a tough spot. But I'm going to take the rested Chargers coming yes. off of their bye, going on the road, and I think Justin Herbert here should be able to put up big numbers. And I got to believe the Chargers going to, you know, are going to cover this number and they're going to win. I'm with you. And all due respect to Art, blooms off the rose a little bit here. Now I get it, the covering of the spread, but the Chargers mm-hmm. off a bye at this point in the season, and there has to be a bit of a desperation angle here. I'm taking the Chargers. Dolphins laying five at the Bears. You know, I love the way that Justin Fields has been playing the last couple weeks. You know, the feeling about him now is starting to change. It's starting to be more positive because of the way that he has played the last two games and the changes that they've made in their offense to take advantage of his athleticism. However, they've lost two of their best defensive uh, players because they traded away Roquan Smith and, of course, Robert Quinn, I do like the Dolphins here. I love their offense. I love what's going on there. There's a lot of good feeling. Plus, they're undefeated. Once Tua starts and finishes a game this season, I'm going to take the Dolphins. Uh, it's the stink line of the week to me. I, I, you see a number out at five. Here's what I don't like. I don't like when teams have back-to-back road games. I think it's tough. I think – and uh, by the way, boom, weird. We like the way Justin Fields is playing. Oh, wait. The Bears offensive staff realized he has two functioning legs. <laughs> yes, like, it's does. just, yeah. this is not curing cancer. It's football. Why does it take some of these teams? 
What kind of abacus are you using? Let him run. You know, that last Thursday night he played, he didn't play well. They had a long week there, and I think Luke Getze looked at Baltimore's film, probably looked at a little Buffalo film, and said, how can we get our quarterback's athletic skills more involved in our game and make him more a part of the offense and make him even feel more comfortable? Yeah, love it in the red zone, too, using him as a runner well, finally, to go We've finally on. seen the kid that played at Ohio State. So that's a good thing for And for they the got Bears. him Claypool. I'm right. fascinated to see what that does in the red zone. You taking the Bears now? I am. I'm taking the Bears. Okay. Bengals laying seven against the Panthers. Oh, boy. You know what to do. I know what to do. I'm going to take the underdog Panthers. <laughs> is what I'm going to do. How gross does that feel? You feel dirty? I Well, it is. The Bengals are going to win the game. They better win the game. But I will say... DJ Moore, keep your helmet on if you score a touchdown, for God's sake. I think the Panthers are playing hard for Steve Wilkes, man. I give him a lot of credit, man. They they could have been in first place had they won the game at Atlanta, and they they should have won the game at Atlanta. Absolutely. So I think they'll play tough here. I know the Bengals are coming off of that tough loss. It's been a long week for them. I think the, the Panthers will keep it within the number. Uh, at 7.5, I'm with you. This number dropped to 7. I'm actually going to go Bengals bounce back because of how awful they were. At 7.5 or 8, I'm with you. I'll take the flat seven and a little. Can I buy the back. hook? What kind? What do I? I'm not the book. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Packers laying three and a half, going to Detroit. What a mess! Oh. You know what to do. Oh, I don't know what to do. Yes, here. you do. I don't know what to do here. Divisional. I know. I know. Dog. I understand, but what are they desperate for? I don't know. Feeling nice about themselves. I mean, what are the Lions desperate for? They're not desperate for anything. They just traded away TJ Hawkinson. That tells you how desperate they are for next year. I know, but then why is the number not bigger? I don't know why the number is not bigger. I think everybody's looking at Aaron Rodgers and the body language you're talking about, and you know, and I'm a big body language guy. I I wish we could just not pick this one and bet the over. Can we just go over forty nine? I would say it's over, but I think I'm going to take the Lions and the points. That's the. Three and a half, right? That, yeah, that's the I'll move. I'll take the three and a half, and I'll take the Lions just because their offense is, you know, they can score some points, and they usually keep it close at home. Plus, you get to a point where I, the Packers aren't the Packers. They're just a team with flaws. That Every week it's been the same thing. They lost to the Giants in London. They lost to the Jets at Lambeau. They go to, lost know, to the Commanders. They lost to the Commanders. They lose to the Bills. I mean, yeah, so they'll keep it close, and I'll take the Lions in the number. 27-24. There, that works. Patriots. Laying five to whatever's left of the Colts. I give up. Yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots here. I feel bad for my buddy Frank Reich. You know, there's a lot of things going on out there, a lot of changes. Sam Erlinger going against the Patriots defense, and Patriots defense got turnovers last week because Zach Wilson basically wet his leg. I would just say, you know, this is a tough spot for Frank. It's a tough spot for the Colts. I'll I'll lay the number, and I'll take the uh, Patriots. You think Frank survives? I hope so, because it's not a lot of this stuff is not of his doing. I no, mean, you know, well, they fired Marcus Brady this week, so now you you go to Ellinger, the offense looks bad, you get rid of the OC. Now, whose move was that? Did Ursay come down in his underwear and fire somebody? Yeah, what's I, going I, on? I don't know. It could be, I, you know, and obviously, you know, Jim Ursay is a, an owner that's actively involved, and uh, I, I don't know. I I think this team would have been better had they kept Carson Wentz. I mean, I don't know what they think they saw in in Matt Ryan, but I also understand that they felt like they had a team. All they needed was a legitimate, experienced quarterback. But unfortunately, Matt was experienced in throwing interceptions. Yeah. Too many of them. I, look, the Colts stopped the run. And if you can make Mac beat you, I... I'll take the points. I don't feel great about it. I, I, you know, I'm just I'm a man of conviction. I, I hear you. I, I'll take the I points. Your voice. 
It's disgusting, isn't it? Yeah. Bills, minus 11.5 at the Jets. This came down. This thing started at 13.5, by the way. Well, it's, and it's a huge number. It's a huge number. And, you know, last week we saw a couple of huge numbers that went by the wayside late in these games. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I did it on my show at WFAN in New York here. I'm going to take the Jets and the points. I don't think they're going to win. I think the Bills will come in here and smack them. Now, my partner, Gio, felt like this was a squash spot for the Bills to come in and destroy the Jets. Yeah, I think so. Look, and, and again. You agree. I, I do based on this could be the biggest QB disparity of the season with Josh Allen off a, an off game, a B-minus game for Josh, facing Zach Wilson. I look at the Bills. They're gonna, they don't even have to blitz to get pressure. Jets struggle at the tackle spot. I, how do the Jets score? That's really what it comes down to. And against the Bills, you're not winning. You're not even competing scoring 17 points. Yeah, I kind of feel like the Jets are going to be flat this week, especially after everything yes. that they built up for last week. That was their Super Bowl last week. Last week. They had that, to have that. That was that, uh, that game that they had to have to convince their fans that their record was legit, that they felt like they could actually take the next step, and unfortunately Zach Wilson was unable to do it. Yeah, and I'm breaking every rule. I'm I'm laying eleven and a half on the road, but the Bills might just be one of one. They might just be the team that you can break the rules with, and and they may come in here and just flatline. Well, this we, team. we picked them last week and they didn't cover. You know, mistakes were made. Yes. Vikings laying three and a half at the Commanders. You know, I uh, I like the Commanders here. Yes, uh, and I like the Commanders because whatever for whatever reason Taylor Heineke has brought a little energy, and you know he had that great comeback last week. You know, when I left the NBA, uh, the NFL Today studios last week, the Commanders were losing, and I didn't think they were going to be able to come back and win. I got back home and I looked at my uh, my ESPN app and I looked at the numbers. And I'm like, how the hell did the Commanders come back and win the game? I have to go watch this. So I go back and watch it. I'm like. Damn, that Taylor Heineke. Yeah. He's got something about him that I like. So I'm going to take them over the Vikings. I don't. I think the Vikings will probably win the game, but I think it's going to be close enough. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. People forget Heineke guided that team to the playoffs. And then in the playoff game, they didn't get thrown off the field against the Bucs. Who were he, at their height. The, that, that was the real Bucs. Yeah. Look, I think they believe in this kid. And I'm not trying to bury Carson Wentz, but it's no secret. He's not exactly the most popular guy in any locker room he goes into. This kid, everyone knows he's limited, but he works hard, he's gutty, they believe in him, and you know what the key is? Ever since the first half against the Packers, the rust is off. You're starting to see him be him, and this matchup here, for me, Chase Young is back. That front was already good. The Vikings' weakness, right up front, and I think they can stay in this thing. So here's the thing. If they win this game and they go to 5-4, and Yeah. Does Ron Rivera come out and say that Taylor Heineke's our starting quarterback for the rest of the year? Because you know how important that Would is. Would I or does he? Does he? <sighs> Depending on how he plays. Can can I can I have you answer that? I mean, you know Ron. And I know the and I know the politics around our position of quarterback. Um I, I think Ron, if he did that for Taylor Heineke, I think it would probably jazz up the team, and I think everybody would be happy about and it. And frankly, if they win, if they win. And you know what's funny, and you guys can go find it out there in listener land, but like before the season, Heineke was very candid going, look, they paid the other guy 100 million bucks. I know my place. I know when you make that money, you're playing. 
Funny how it all ends up, right? Hey, you're winning your plan. That's yeah. what I say. Raiders. I'm taking the Commanders, by the way, Scones. Okay. Uh, Raiders, minus one and a half at the Jags in a game of two teams that simply don't want to win. They can't figure out how to win. You want to flip a coin? Oh, man. I, I, I want to believe in Trevor Lawrence. I really do. I mean, and if there's a defense that he should be able to beat, it should be this one. But then again, you know, like last week I thought that the Raiders were going to show up against the Saints, and they just got blistered. They got shut out. I know, but that's not who this team is. I'm going to take the Raiders. I'll lay the points. I'll take the Raiders here re- reluctantly. Again, I don't want to bore people, but if you do look at analytics, no secondary in football gives more room to throw the ball, more separation, you know, Third and long conversion rate. The Raiders are just awful. What? Defending the pass. I know, I know. So if Lawrence is ever, and here's the thing, this is, this is the ultimate, like, lookout spot, but, like, teams lost five in a row. You got you got to win a game at some point, Isn't right? Josh McDaniels just pushing every button he possibly can this week to get his team on edge? Yeah, maybe. You would think the same thing about Doug Peterson, too. I also don't – again, I Plus say Plus, they're it, coming back from London. Yeah, but I also don't love the Raiders who are on the road for two straight weeks. I, I quit. Just give me the Jags and we'll move on. <laughs> you know what this game is? This is the game at the sports book that they throw up on the 32-inch standard def TV by the hot dog stand. Ain't nobody watching this thing. <laughs> okay. Bucks minus three, hosting the Rams. This is broken versus broken. And I'm taking the Bucks Easily. Easy for me to see this because the Rams just are not the same team. They're missing half their – their, their squad from last year, their offensive line's a mess. I know the Bucks and Devin White's been called out, by the way, for loafing last week. Mm-hmm. He's going to have 100 tackles in this game. Yes. This is PDT. Yes. Post-divorce Tom. He's <laughs> laser-focused. <laughs> no, this is Brady going robot mode. The drama's done. You said it. He's in his safe space. Yeah. And the Rams' offensive line is a clown car. Bucks. Why? Because stuff. Bucks minus three. Is this your lock of the week? I don't do locks of the week. You don't do the locks. You know of what week. happens okay. when you do locks of the week? <laughs> you look like a fool. Okay. I can't do it. Chiefs minus 12 and a half hosting the Titans. You know, I think the Titan, Titans will try to muck the game up, shorten the game, run uh, Derrick Henry down their throat. Uh, at this point, I think that Ryan Tannehill is playing. Okay. So if Ryan, can I, can I couch this? If Ryan Tannehill plays, I'm taking the Titans. I'm fine with that. If it's Malik Willis who plays, who attempted one pass last week at the Houston Texans, right. I'm taking the Chiefs. It was it was like Na- it was like Navy right was on the field last week. Brian, you got that? Make sure you write that one down. I'm with him. I love these little caveat selections. Now, Brian, you can talk in the mic if you'd like. <laughs> contingency pick. I got it. It's a, contingency a big pick. contingency this pick. This is the Boomer Esiason contingency play of the week. Yes. Something I got to pay attention to this Sunday. Yes. yes, I'm in. I will follow the same deal. Oh, and if there's cloud cover and rain, I want to go back to the Titans. Come on. Uh, this is. I, I don't know the answer to that question as to who's playing quarterback for the Titans. I'll I just don't know yet. No stress. Okay. All right, now, stress, pick this one. Monday Night Football, Ravens laying two and a half at New Orleans. Yeah, I'm going to take the Ravens, man. I just, uh, I think. Um, no Andrews, no Bateman. Yeah, I know that, but but, but it's it's Lamar, and he is, he is a stud, and he's having a great season. He's playing for that contract. They signed Roquan Smith. I love that. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I really do. I think it's going to be tight, low-scoring, but I'll take uh, Justin Tucker, and I will take the Ravens. 
I won't even get started because I know we don't have time. This Michael Thomas thing, boy, do I have some thoughts there, but we'll leave it alone. I just, the Ravens are still the team. I can't get it out of my mind. They can't hold a lead. Lamar without his weapons. He is the weapon. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> okay, this isn't the backyard. You can't just do it alone. You know, and it's a pretty good defense, you're going to say. There's no question about that. But you know, something about the Ravens, they score points. They get double-digit leads. They play tough. They play tough defense. They're a grizzled team. So this is not a team that's easily intimidated no, the way the Raiders were last week. I'm going to go who that to hell with it. Give me the Saints. We got a bunch to do, including a trade deadline desk and more. It's kickoff with Boomer and Valenny. Now, back to kickoff with Boomer, Asiasen, and Mike Valenti. All right, a lot to do in the last segment of this uh, gala affair. Uh, we have best of the best. We've got a trade desk. we got Boomer's final word. This I say best of the best lightly this week. This is an entertainment game. Let's hit it. This week's best of the best of the best of the this best, week's best, best of the best. So, nothing overly sexy this week, but this is an interesting game. Potential fireworks, cards, minus two, hosting Seattle. So we can talk the game, but I think there's some stuff surrounding it, too. Yeah, I do, too. And the thing I love about what what this game really epitomizes is a kid, a kid, a man by the name of Geno Smith, who's been in the league for 10 years, who has finally found his happy spot, who's found his game, who's found his wide receivers, who's found his coach. He's been there for three years in Seattle. And anybody who's known Geno's arc here in his career, you got to be really happy for him. I mean, you really got to be happy for him. And by the way, you know, he stuck it to the Giants after the game last week, after they beat the Giants. He said, I, je- I dedicate this victory to Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese, mm. two guys who knew what I could do, but I never really got a chance to do it in New York. And now it comes on the heels of them getting rid of Russell Wilson. So he's the most popular player in the locker room right now. So he's at the right place at the right time. And I know DeAndre Hopkins came back, and the Cardinals played well offensively. But you know what? The Kyler Murray. Just no, we got to get. We got to. We got to get into that. He can't just can't get it done. Did Him you see the interception to Harrison Smith? I did. What? Of course, I did. What? Huh? Yeah, exactly. So th- this is why they wanted to put that clause in his contract: extra film time, extra tape time. Be a leader. Don't just be an athlete on the field and go out there and play like Zach Wilson plays. He's a little bit more refined than Zach Wilson. He's had more success than Zach Wilson because he's a better run-around athlete. I think he has more ability. And he has more intuition about him. There's no question about that. But, man, he's just like a loose cannon on the field. I mean, even in the last drive of that game, you know you have no timeouts. You understand that sacks are going to be debilitating. He takes back-to-back sacks. I I just, Boomer, I, I, I want to like him. Because the ability is so tantalizing, but it's like, maybe this is just who he is. You know what? I wouldn't have given him the contract extension myself, but then again, I don't know the internal politics there. I just know that, you know, I, I, I think players like him. I just don't know necessarily that they truly respect him as the leader of that team. And I do believe that the Seattle Seahawks respect Geno Smith. And that's that's the dichotomy here yeah. for me. Um, and I do think that the Seahawks got a really good thing going right now. It's one, you know, honestly, when you look at it, it's one of the great, if this is real, and I, I have to believe it is, it's one of the great QB transitions of all time that didn't feature a number one pick. Like, uh, it, How about Jim Plunkett? I guess he was a number one pick, right? Well, I, I'd, I'd prefer once TV wasn't in black and white. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah, but, he, but, he, but he leaves the Patriots, go to the Raiders, and right. they win Super Bowls. But, like, here you go from Russell Wilson, you get your Super Bowl, you make two of them, and then you trade him. And you don't have the top pick in the draft, you don't draft a quarterback, and you look like you found your franchise guy. You know, I have a, a very good friend who's close friends with Pete Carroll, and, of course, I'm friends with Pete, but I don't talk to him as much, uh, who told me that before the season – that Pete Carroll is not worried at all about his quarterback situation. He's more than happy to go into the season with Geno Smith as his starting quarterback. And this was before That's they amazing. even announced that. That's amazing. And the reason he said that was because of his popularity in the locker room and because he knew that he had a good young team coming. And now you have a veteran quarterback with two young offensive tackles, with two wide receivers that are as good as anybody in the league in terms of the way that they're playing with their quarterback. And they have Kenny Walker who can run the crap out of the ball. And I know That's you pointed this out. You pointed it out weeks ago. And so you now all of a sudden have a young defense that is making plays. Oh, by the way, turnovers. rookie corners, including this Wooten kid they found in like the seventh round, and so, he's great. And the Seahawks feel like they can rebuild on the fly, and they have a quarterback that they found a little bit with a diamond in a rough kind of mindset. And, and everything just worked out for them. That's why I'm taking the Seahawks in Arizona. I'm with you. I can't trust the Cardinals. By the way, 1-3 and three at home. And when you look at who the Cardinals have beaten, I think it's Carolina. They've, they've beaten two awful teams. But there's no question DeAndre Hopkins back really does help them. And I think it makes Kyler a little bit more comfortable and poised because he knows he's got his main weapon out there, and he could throw it to him, and he's going to go up and get it. If they lose this game, and, and everyone knows the splits, and I can bring these to the table next week. I don't have them in my notes this week, but Pre-week eight, post-week eight, the Cardinals go debt spiral mode every year. If they lose this game, I mean, what is it all? I, is there a chance Kyler asks out? Yes. I yeah, would see, think I so. feel like he doesn't trust Kingsbury. There's something weird there. So Steve Kime, their GM, put the two of them together because, you know, this, this is going to be the mastermind offense the with a player that, you know, comes out of that kind of, uh, you know, that uh, air raid offense and all this other stuff. But if the quarterback is not dedicated and is not studying and doesn't really know what he's doing on the field and can't be that quarterback that stays in the pocket, you're going to get some wins, you're going to get some exciting plays, but you're not going to get the wins that you need. And this is a win that they certainly need to save their season if they want to. Yeah, I'm going to take Seattle. I'll take the team. At least I know they're going to put their hard hat on. They're going to show up. They're going to compete. And they generally don't do stupid things. Number one, they love their coach. Number two, they love their quarterback. And the coach and quarterback love each other. So that's that's those yeah. three relationships right there usually lead to a winning season. All right, so I, w I wanted to do this. With the trade deadline – I want to encapsulate everything, give you a chance to riff and kind of tell me, you know, hey, we all love splashy deals. The NFL never used to make trades. I love this. This, I this do week was great. It's becoming the NBA trade deadline or what the NHL deadline used to be. It used to be Firework City. But let's just start out. I'm going to roll through these. Give me your gauge on it and then kind of the impact. So start with the Ravens. You mentioned Roquan Smith. They don't have a real playmaker at the linebacker level. Patrick Queen's okay. What does Roquan do for them? I think it's the third best trade acquisition by a team during this trade little scenario that had gone on here. And I, the reason I say that is because if you want to play defense in Baltimore, you got to have the Ray Lewis type. you got to have a guy that is a tackling machine, and that's exactly where Roquan Smith is. I think it also sends a bad message to the, the Bears and their players that are left behind. But, you know, I think they kind of curtailed a little bit of that negativity by adding Chase Claypool. What was their hesitancy in just paying Roquan? That's what I don't get. There's it's an off-the-ball linebacker. They're not worth it. They're like they're the running back of the defense. 
Right, but they have the most cap space in the league per their cap table for next year. But that's also you never know what Roquan Smith wanted. And you know okay. that's, a, that's that's a new general manager out there, that's a new coach in Chicago, so they're they're rebuilding around Justin Fields and like we said earlier in the show, Justin Fields over the last 2 weeks now all of a sudden has shown that he can handle the NFL. And I think they're pretty excited about that out there. All right, so hit me with Chase Claypool. Big-bodied red zone target, didn't quite make it in Pittsburgh. How does it help him? Well, for me, it's a win for Pittsburgh because they got the high second-round draft pick from Chicago. And the reason I say that is because they weren't going to keep Chase Claypool anyway. You know, They they didn't care for him in in Pittsburgh. Uh, They were going to trade him. It was just a matter of time. And they they extracted exactly what they wanted, a high second-round pick, which essentially— And Pickens is better than him. Right. And essentially, this—a high second-round pick is an extension of the first round. Agreed totally. Especially when it comes to wide receivers. Especially when every team reaches for QBs who aren't first-round picks. Right. So I think think Pittsburgh wins this one, but I also think it helps Justin Fields because he's got a big-body wide receiver. And much like Calvin Ridley will help uh, Trevor Lawrence down in uh, Jacksonville next year— I think this could be something that works out really well for the Bears. It's just that they gave up a little bit more than I would have liked them to give up. Dolphins acquiring Bradley Chubb. Okay, for me, this is the number one this draft acquisition. This is big. And they gave him a five-year contract extension. So that tells you that Chris Greer and the Dolphins are all in. Yep. And with what they got going on on offense right now, all they really needed was an additional pass rusher to kind of like secure that defense and take some of the pressure off of the secondary. So I love this draft. I love the fact that the Dolphins are all in. If I were a Dolphin fans, I would be all over this. And line him up next to Christian Wilkins, same side. You deal with that. Just low-key, I don't mean to geek out, I love the acquisition of Jeff Wilson. Familiarity with the McDaniel scheme. Chase Edmonds was a zero. Now they've got Mostert and Jeff Wilson both know this guy's system inside and out, and I think Wilson's an underrated guy. That was a nice move. Um, Bills, this is my geek moment. Forgive me. Acquiring Naheem Hines, I loved this move. Loved it. Yeah, he was under he was underutilized in Indianapolis, and I think that was one of the reasons for that was because they were playing from behind, and you know they they wanted to get him about ten touches a, a week. Uh, he's that kind of player out of the backfield, but he was only getting about six touches uh, a week, and I know that he was unhappy, and there's a contract situation now coming up with him. Yep. Uh, this is the perfect fit for the Bills. It's amazing. I remember way back when in week two or three, my morning partner, Gio, floated the idea about a Saquon Barkley trade to the Bills. Everybody was getting all excited, but all of a sudden the Giants are 6-2, and two, so they can't trade that player. But this is what you do. You add a, a playmaking back out of the backfield to add with um, – Josh Allen, I think, is a terrific move by the Bills. And again, another move to show you that they're all in. All in. And get, hey, listen, just envision third and medium, ice cold day in Buffalo. Offense isn't quite going. Got to get a first down. Naheem Hines out of the backfield. That's five yards. That's moving the sticks. And by the way, I know on, you don't have this team on the list because the trade happened before the trade deadline, but the Christian McCaffrey trade to yeah. the San Francisco 49ers is my second best move. Yep of the trades that took place before the trade deadline. And the reason I say that is because now you have Ayuk, Kittle, Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, a healthy offensive line, a healthy defensive line, and I think they are the best team in the in, in the NFC. And even, even though there is an undefeated team by the name of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and real quick, Hawkinson to the Vikes. Uh, from the Lions' perspective, I mean, Brad Holmes, do you see what the GM said? I would have made this deal at 6-1. and one. Right, and I'm Diana yeah. Ross. Well, again, I think it has something to do with the salary cap and the move, and they probably know him better than 
uh, than than I do. Well, he's um, horrible blocking. I, I would I would say this because Irv Smith got hurt for the Vikings. This is the same thing that happened to the Jets when they when they lost Brees Hall and they added James Robinson from the Jags. I appreciate the aggressiveness of the Vikings to try to get somebody in there that has some experience that can help in the passing game. And that that's going to help the Vikings. There's no question about that, especially with Irv Smith now on the shelf probably for about 10 weeks. Just give me 30 seconds. Biggest loser of the deadline, Packers? Yeah, they did nothing. And I can't imagine that, um, that Aaron Rodgers is happy about it. And I wouldn't be happy about it if I were him. And I think this is going to be a you know a long end of season slog here for the Packers. I really thought that was a Brandon Cook spot. I don't know what happened there. Eighteen million dollars, man. Nobody wanted to accept that guaranteed eighteen million dollars. He signed a thirty-seven million dollar contract next year, guaranteed eighteen million. If the Texans would have eaten some of that, then sure. maybe they would have added him to the Packers. But Brandon's got to understand he signed a contract. That contract was hard to move. And then he walked out on the Texans and didn't yeah, play personal reasons. Yeah, which really sure. sucks. I I hate it, but you know he's back. He'll be back next week, and they'll figure it out moving forward. All right, let's get to Boomer's final word. What you say after this don't matter. This is the final word. You know, one thing we're finding out, Mike, in the NFL, and you and I do this every week, that it is so unpredictable that there's going to be two or three teams this week that are underdogs that. Really, you know, they have losing records, and they're going to be the team that feels like they're just ready to turn the corner. And we saw that last week, you know, with the Dolphins and with the Carolina Panthers. We saw that with the Colts, and, you know, they lose to the Washington Commanders. You know, who is the team or teams this week that are going to be the ones that think that they're turning the corner, and all of a sudden they're going to get slapped down the way the Bengals did on Monday night? I'll give you two. Okay. Atlanta and the Jets. And I know I know the Jets lost last week, but five and two playing the Patriots compared to we just lost two divisional games, look bad against the Pats, get blown out against the Bill. It could the bloom could be off the rose a little bit. Yeah, I think the Jet fan probably feels like last week was an opportunity that was missed because it would have been seventeen to three had Franklin Myers not been called for roughing the passer. And to me, in my eyes, that's very questionable. The other aspect here is is that I think Jet fans are realizing that their team is playing the best team in right. the league right now, and yeah. that's the Buffalo Bills. All right, we'll get at you next week. we got a midseason report, all the results, all the opinions, maybe another dinner bet. That is Kickoff with Boomer and Valenti. It's Kickoff, it's kickoff. With, with Boomer and Valenti.